believe it or not, what studies are showing is that if we were to pick one thing, one test uh, to compare against all of us, not a combination of tests, but just one, that's going to give us the greatest accuracy in terms of predicting all-cause mortality, it's actually strength. They're finding that a very simple grip test, right? They'll, they'll, they'll have you squeeze something and grip it. That, has a, that can predict all-cause mortality better than any other single uh, normal test that you would do. Or your ability to get up off the floor without assistance, which, which has to do with strength. So if you can get up off the floor without assistance, or if you can't, then that tells us a lot about all-cause mortality. In fact, I predict in the next 10 years that uh, health practitioners, doctors are going to start using these tests to determine someone's uh, overall longevity and well-being. Um, because otherwise, what we're doing is we're looking at this whole, we have to look at all these different tests, but how, how great is that, that a single test uh, can give us these, this great prediction? And it's very inexpensive. And it's all about strength. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. This week's incredible guest is one of my most favorite experts and innovators in health and fitness, Sal Stefano. Sal is a co-host to the world's top fitness and health podcast, Mind Pump. Also, one of my most favorite podcasts. Sal's passion and personal story behind creating Mind Pump with his awesome teammates, Doug, Adam, and Justin, comes from the desire to shift the direction of the fitness industry from an aesthetic insecurity base to a self-love and self-care health industry. He knew this could be accomplished with education through entertainment, which is exactly what Mind Pump is. It's what I call infotainment. I can't even tell you guys how much I crack up behind the scenes when taking in their epic episodes. It's so much fun. Sal is a very deep and introspective and very curious individual, and these traits have led him to become the wealth of knowledge that he is in all things related to health, fitness, wellness, and really human potential. One of the many things I love talking about in this episode with him is the fact that when we feel good on a personal level, when we are taking great care of ourselves and maintaining our health, we show up as our best selves and we operate from our highest potential. With Mind Pump, Sal is striving to support this process for all of us by bringing high quality fitness and science-backed health information with his passion, integrity, and honesty. Another amazing aspect to having Sal on the podcast is that in an attempt to call myself out and eliminate some hesitation I was feeling towards launching my podcast, I hit Sal up on IG informing him that I was getting ready to launch a podcast and that I would love to feature him as a guest on it. He graciously agreed, and two months later, I launched the podcast. He actually listened to my first two episodes and gave me valuable feedback that I took to heart. That moment of reaching out to him was huge for me, you guys, because 
His response truly helped me to push out the feelings of hesitation that I was having. And, you know, here we are three years later, deep in the game of Black Belt Beauty Radio. And I'm so excited and proud to finally have him on the show for all of you guys. So, In this highly informative talk, Sal and I go into the depths of fitness and health and really overall wellness. Some topics we include are busting the myths around women's weightlifting, so think you're going to get bulky, such bullshit, Uh, the damage caused by mainstream fitness marketing and forced misconceptions. We discuss vital foundational work to supporting longevity and overall well-being. We discuss the importance of muscle development, metabolism, and insulin maintenance used to combat metabolic disease. We talk about our relationship to food and the habits that we curate around it. We also talk about the personal to global perspective our health magnifies and so much more, you guys. This episode is going to empower you with so much valuable insight that will help your health and fitness and overall wellness in your life. So I'm really excited for you guys to take this one in. Be sure to subscribe to Mind Pump. Trust me when I say you will learn so much and you have so much fun as you're doing it. Definitely follow Sal on Instagram. He is such, I, I mean, such a wealth of knowledge. I love all of his content. I can't promote it enough and definitely check out their uh, MAPS programs. They have incredibly effective training and fitness programs um, to meet you wherever you are in your fitness game. So in addition to that, I would love your support by letting us know that you're listening to this episode. Share it up on your IG stories and tag both Sal and I. Our profiles are in the show notes if you don't have them already. And last but not least, you guys, if you have not already given this podcast a five-star rating and review on iTunes, please jump on it. It helps me and my team so much. We appreciate it so much. You know, just let us know where we're at. We love your feedback and it helps the visibility of Black Belt Beauty Radio to get out there and support more people in their lives to be living from their fullest potential. So it's time for me to hit play and let you take in the incredible conversation that I had with the incredible Sal Stefano. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Beauty Counter. You guys, as a beauty expert and make it pro of over 20 years, I have legitimately sifted and sorted through endless amounts of beauty products from skincare to makeup, you name it, I've touched it. And, you know, high performance is always a priority to me. You know, when you're working on clients who are on the red carpet or accepting awards on live shows like the Oscars, things of that nature, there really is no room for error when it comes to performance. But as a total, you know, lover of health, you know, over the past decade, I became highly conscious about you know, the health aspect of products too, and really trying to steer away from skincare and makeup products that, you know, have chemicals and fragrances and ultimately health disruptors. So, when I found Beauty Counter, you guys, I started playing with their skincare and their makeup products on me. I was so happy with the results. Not only, you know, did they totally deliver, but I legitimately felt better 
putting these products onto my skin. You know, what you put on your skin is totally affecting your health. And it's so important to really realize that. Not to mention the brand is really health conscious for the world, and I love that too, but that's just me. So check it out. You guys can now shop my personal favorites on blackbeltbeauty.com from Beauty Counter. You just got to go to the shop section, go to beauty, and you will find my favorites. And I'm continuously adding new products there as I discover more because the brand is just constantly you know, creating new amazing skincare products and makeup products. So as I learn about them, them, and as I try them and love them, I'm sharing them on the site. So check it out. Go to blackbeltbeauty.com, go to the shop beauty section and shop the beauty counter page from there. Let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. And if you ever have questions about beauty, you know where to find me. DM me, Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty. Lots of love, you guys. So um, I'm so excited to finally be here with you. I have to just get this out of the way. So Next week is officially my three-year anniversary of my podcast, Blackwell Beauty Radio. Oh, rad. Yeah, and what's extra special about you being here with me right now is that before I launched the podcast, I was kind of like in this, I, I felt myself being in this mode of hesitation. And uh, you had put out on your Instagram, you know, that you were you were like opening, you were about to, um, you were inviting people who wanted to bring you on their podcast to come you know, to, to DM. And, and I saw that and I had been a fan of, you know, you and mind pump. Um, you know, my brother Ari Safai obviously introduced me to you guys. And mm-hmm. so I, I hit you up and, and I responded like, I I'm launching my podcast and I'd love to have you on. And that was like a moment of me calling myself out. You know, when you put something out there, it's like, well, you better, you know, Man, and you gotta you were, do it. Exactly. And you were so rad and you were like, I'm ready when you are. And, you know, in the, the initial launch, I, I sent you some episodes and you were so kind to actually listen to them and give me feedback. So, you know, not only is it amazing to have you on and, and to pick at your brain, which is just like you are a plethora of information that is so valuable, but to really have you on in this moment where I'm about to have a three-year anniversary is super special. So Sal, thank you. <laughs> awesome. It's, it's really, it is my pleasure. You're, 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 you and your family are like the, they should do a, a reality show on you guys, like the, the fitness family. <laughs> And, you know, you just, you kind of live the life and you guys are really interesting people. Your brother's a great guy. Yeah, um, and I see you. some of the stuff that you do. I really appreciate what you do. And, um, podcasting is a great medium. It's a great medium to communicate. Um, there's, uh, low barriers to enter, which is great because you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. a huge supporter of new media. Um, so I'm happy that there's good people like you doing this. So thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'm, so this might be one of the ultimate tests for me as a podcaster, because bringing someone like you on where, you know, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Like there's so many, we want to go fitness, health, like philosophy, like worldviews, like you, you know, what you put out, you, you just resonate with me in so many ways. And, and you're, you know, you have so much knowledge um, so I have to do my very best to, you know, keep us streamlined and and not turn it into a five hour rabbit hole. Um, so actually, on that note, I I want to start with a post that I just saw that you put out yesterday, and I want to read okay. this back because this is a very important subject. Um, you know, in, from my own experience in life and as a whole. So 
you put out this subject or this post about this myth of women who, you know, if you lift weights, you're going to get bulky. And I'm just going to read the top part of your caption. Um, it was longer, but you said one of the most damning, am I saying that right? Damning myths in fitness is the belief that lifting weights or especially heavy weights makes women look gnarly, like gnarly, huge beasts. At the very least, there is widespread, widespread belief that women get bulky when they lift weights. This isn't just false. It's also damaging. And I'll just say this. And then I just would love for you to riff off that. Um, one of the greatest changes in not just my, my, my body composition, my overall health, but my mindset took place when I shifted out of the, um, fear of being bulky. Cause I was that girl. I'm a mesomorph. I'm already strong. And so I was like super heavy into cardio. My brothers would tell me like, lift weights, you know? And I was like, I'm going to go, you know, and I finally listened and it's, it was the exact opposite. Like I just got leaner. I got you know, more power. And like, so it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I would love for you to just wrap out about, you know, not only why that's so false, but, you know, even like, you know, how we even got there. Cause I'm 42, right? So, you know, I grew up in this time where we didn't have strong as beautiful, like now it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, um, kind of addressing the foundation of where that also came from, I think is important too to move us out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, man, you look uh, at least 10 years younger than your age. I didn't realize <laughs> we're the same age though. All right. Very yeah. Cool. 80s. Um, okay. So here's, so here's, it started because the, the gym industry, um, well, let's, let's go back a little bit. Uh, in the early days, resistance training, weight training, was done by um, circus strength athletes. So people who would, these big burly men who would, uh, you know, do these demonstrations of strength and would gather crowds. Later on, it was practiced by bodybuilders and bodybuilders were still at the time, we're talking probably 50s, 60s were considered uh, abnormal kind of circus freaks. You don't really see them in mainstream media. Um, Maybe in like Hercules movies, like Steve Reeves and those kind of guys. But um, they would be weird if you saw a bodybuilder walking around uh, on the street. Um, and not too many people were familiar with bodybuilders. You had the beach, you know, kind of bodybuilder movies uh, in the 60s, but that was about it. Then Pumping Iron comes out. Arnold Schwarzenegger comes out. He's this charismatic guy. And so more people were exposed uh, to bodybuilding. And so the connection to weights was always these big, muscular men. It was just, and that's how you got that way, right? You lifted weights. That's what happened when you lifted weights. And at the time, gyms existed. Not very many gyms made a lot of money. Um, and their main clientele was men. So they had weights. They'd have, uh, you know, maybe very little cardiovascular equipment. Back then, it was mo- mainly, you know, barbells and dumbbells. And it was guys that worked out, out in there. Um, as the gym industry grew and tried to, to become more profitable and make more money, they realized that they needed to attract uh, the, the other half of the consumer base, which was women. In fact, women are actually uh, bigger consumers than men in, in products. Uh, most uh, products that we buy today, uh, women make the choices in terms of what we need to buy. And so the gym industry saw this and said, we need to attract women, but they're not going to come lift weights in our facilities uh, because uh, that association has been made between lifting weights and looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are we going to attract them? And so they did, they had the aerobics classes, 
they started to ha- you know tell women that if they did really really high reps that they would just tone the muscle they wouldn't build the muscle if you lift heavy then you'll look like arnold if you lift and do 60 you know reps or 50 reps then you'll look uh you know toned toned was a word that was made up by the gym industry um it doesn't muscles don't tone they build or they shrink that's all they do and to a sm- if they build to a small degree they feel more firm so that's what we uh now call toned but they invented that term and they they put, you know, pink upholstery on certain machines in the gym. The first gym that I ever worked in as a trainer um, back in uh, 1997 at the age of 18 um, had a women's area. So you'd walk in and, and they had, that's back when gyms would have racquetball. So we had racquetball and cardio and weights. And then they had a women's, uh, you know, area with machines, with resistance machines. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, it was a 24-hour fitness. They never closed, but on Christmas they would close. And I remember working that Christmas and then I, you know, when everything was shut down, I went into the women's area. I was, I was curious, like, what are they, what, what kind of equipment do they have in here? It was the same exact equipment that we had in the general area. The difference was the upholstery on it or the, you know, was, was pink instead of black. Right. Um, so it was all marketing, right? How do we get women to work out? Well, we tell them rather than say build muscle, they tone or it's long lean, it's sculpt, use different verbiage. Um, and it did a lot of damage, uh, to, uh, it was very damaging because it told women the wrong information and the the wrong information is lift weights and you're going to get big and bulky and masculine. Uh, so don't lift weights. This is completely and totally false. Um, and it's terrible because so many women try to start a fitness program and they're afraid of doing the most effective thing that they could possibly do, uh, which is lift weights. And so they do everything else and they get very frustrated with their lack of progress, or they do more and more and more of the other exercise trying to get it to work. And they end up destroying their hormones or just becoming, you know, uh, skinny fat versions of themselves. Um, and resistance training is one of the, it's the most reliable form of exercise that'll speed up your metabolism, which in today's modern world is one of the best insurances. You know, if you have a fast metabolism, then being sedentary and having food around us all the time, which is what modern life looks like, it's a good thing. Like you want to have a fast metabolism. Resistance training does that. You want to, you want curve, you know, you want a rounder butt and nicer looking, you know, legs and whatever. That's muscle that you build. Um, you can't do that with other forms of exercise, at least not nearly as effectively as you can with the resistance training. And then as far as the whole you'll get big bulky muscles. Um, first and foremost, building muscle, even for men, even for genetically gifted men. And I, when I say genetically gifted, I'm talking about the one in a million, right? The guy who can lift weights and is just, uh, just builds muscle faster and better than, a mi- than, than most other men. Even that guy, if he worked out like a bodybuilder, it would take him years to look anything like a bodybuilder. Women have nothing to worry about. Uh, you're going to work out. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and look you know, like a man or whatever. What's going to end up happening is you're going to start to notice your body changing. You'll get more firm. You'll get a faster. That still takes time. Mm-hmm. But uh, resistance training is just the most effective way uh, to do all that stuff. And it's and today, more women work out with, with resistance than ever before. But there's still that myth. There's still, it still hasn't penetrated the mainstream. You know, And, and what I mean by that is if you're if you're a, a female into fitness, you're at this point, you're going to read about the benefits of resistance training. Um, and the information might not be the best, but it's better than it was 20 years ago when I first started uh, in the fitness industry. 
But if you're like my mom or my aunt or the average woman mm-hmm. and you go to the doctor or, and the doctor says, Hey, we need to improve your blood lipids or you have high blood pressure, or you just think to yourself, I need to start exercising. Still today, uh, that resistance training is not the thing that women think about. It's yeah. not even in the top five. They think running, walking, cycling, biking, mm-hmm. Zumba classes, but they don't think resistance training. And this is too bad um, because again, it's it's one of the most effective ways to exercise. And we're still there's still that prevailing uh, fear that surrounds resistance training. That is just we need to break that myth. Totally, and I feel so passionate about being an advocate for that, you know, because, you know, again, like when I think back, so when I was in my, um, like 16 or 17, I, I, I was in Taekwondo and I, I blew my knee out and I had three back-to-back surgeries. And what would happen is like, I mean, you know, my family, you see our genetics at that point, you know, I was a competitive runner when I was younger. Like I had an eight pack, like never had to think about anything also on the American diet though. And then get injured. And I'm basically like in and out of surgery for two years. So in bed, not active, eating that food. And then all of a sudden, you know, I I would like over a a handful of months, basically, it's like I started gaining weight. And I I think I gained up to like 30 to 40 pounds over where I should have been like in my, you know, natural body composition. I mean, this would start years of really like a painful journey of like, just trying to get back to homeostasis and figure it all fucking out. But in hindsight, it's what actually put me on the path to discover, um, you know, one of the greatest passions of my life, which is health and, and fitness. And like, I'm a biology geek, nutrigenomics, nutraceuticals, like, uh, you know, all of it. And so you know, when I think back about, man, if I just started lifting weights back then, you know, and cut all the bullshit and trying this and that, like I would have, I mean, yeah, it would have been incredible for so many reasons, so much of what you just shared. And so, you know, I mean, it took time because I, I admit that I, I admit, like I was the girl who fell for the, the, if you do this, you get the teeny tiny arms because also, Growing up, um, you know, I I I have shoulders, right? Like I was strong and I kind of stood out in that way. And and it was always this comment, you know, I'd get from guys who were like, oh, you're so fucking ripped and you're buff. And I'm so my feminine energy is so robust that I was like, I like there, I felt combative about that, you know, that kind of right. feedback. And now it's like on a, I am my all flex, like that's right. You know what I mean? Um, because the mindset changed, right? And the mindset changed. A lot of that came with this feeling my power and my strength when I'm deadlifting and doing, you know, so, you know, this is why I'm, I'm, you know, so passionate about being this voice to say, Hey ladies, like all of that shit that you think, like it's, it's wrong, actually. Like you want the body that you, you know, the strength and this, the curves and, and not only that, like, let's talk about longevity. I mean, one of my best friends and she's also my doctor, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who you guys had oh, yeah. an Epic podcast with, oh, yeah, yeah, like, right. Like the queen of muscle health and I've never felt more proud to own this body. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I got, I got money in the bank for, for the rest of my life, like to support, you know, my health. So when we think about like, like just as, you know, it gets harder to put on muscle and to keep your muscle healthy as we start to age. Right. Mm-hmm. You can actually, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Let me add a couple of things to that. So, yeah. uh, 
What's unique about resistance training is it is in comparison to other forms of exercise is, is it is uniquely pro tissue, proactive tissue, right? So if I do lots of cardiovascular exercise, my body's ad adaptation towards that is to uh, get rid of tissue, body fat. Yes. But also to make, to get rid of muscle along the way. Right. So uh, lots of endurance exercise. You're, you don't need lots of strength to produce endurance. In fact, having more muscle actually makes you less efficient, a less efficient endurance machine. Cause the goal is to get your body to, to burn less calories while having lots of endurance. So if I, if I'm running a lot, my body says, okay, we're burning calories. We don't need a lot of strength. Let's pare muscle down and become more efficient at this, this, uh, this activity. So it's a, it's, a, it's not proactive tissue. It's anti-active tissue. Now resistance training is proactive tissue. It tells the body, I need more muscle and I need more uh, strength. Um, and studies support this, by the way, there's studies that show that dieting alone, when you diet alone, you lose fat and you lose muscle. If you do diet plus cardio, you lose fat and you lose more muscle. If you do diet plus resistance training, you lose fat and you lose either little muscle or no muscle or you build muscle, right? So it's very, very pro tissue and that's a good thing. And then back to what you're saying about feeling strong. And one of the number one comments I would get from my female clients uh, when they would do resistance training and, and bear in mind, and I want to say this for the audience, you are probably one of the one in a million in terms of muscle building genetics, mm -hmm. right? Most women could work out like a bodybuilder and probably wouldn't look like you do. For people who don't know, you can look up her brothers and they're also very muscular. It's, they have these great muscle building genes. Most women could train like bodybuilders and what they'll get is just tight kind of sculpted bodies. They're not going to look uh, super muscular and that's just, uh, just normal average genetics. And I trained a lot of average women and they trained with me, you know, two, three days a week, just a normal, uh, routine. It wasn't bodybuilder. It wasn't super intense. It was just a, let's just stay healthy and fit mm -hmm. two, three days a week. And the, the number one comment that I would get from women was how, how empowered they felt from feeling strong. Right. So as a man, I don't necessarily understand what it feels like to, you know, take my luggage and put it in the overhead compartment and feel like I can't lift it. And I got to look at maybe one, someone else to help me or a man to help me or lifting heavy luggage or moving something or whatever. So I don't, I don't identify with that so much, but they would explain to me how, in fact, the example I just gave, I remember one of my clients came from a trip and she's, she was a petite woman. And she said, Sal, for the first time ever, I didn't have to ask some random guy to lift my luggage and put it in the overhead compartment. She goes, I feel so empowered. Um, I feel strong, like I can do things. And that's a wonderful feeling uh, for someone to have, especially for a woman. Resistance training provides that. It makes you feel solid and strong in your body. And it's a very confident uh, feeling. And again, uh, it's resistance training is one of the more, it's one of the more unique forms of exercise that directly produces that. And then back to longevity, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a, a lot of different tests we can do that'll kind of uh, give us maybe odds of uh, mortality, right? So we can look at your blood lipids, blood pressure. We can look at insulin sensitivity. We can look at body fat percentage, waist circumference, all these different things. But believe it or not, what studies are showing is that if we were to pick one thing, one test uh, to compare against all of us, not a combination of tests, but just one, that's going to give us the greatest accuracy in terms of predicting all-cause mortality, it's actually strength. They're finding that a very simple grip test, right? They'll, they'll, they'll have you squeeze something and grip it. 
that has a that can predict all cause mortality better than any other single uh, normal test that you would do, or your ability to get up off the floor without assistance, which which has to do with strength. So if you can get up off the floor without assistance, or if you can't, then that tells us a lot about all cause mortality. In fact, I predict in the next ten years that uh, health practitioners, doctors are going to start using these tests to determine someone's uh, overall longevity and well-being. Um, because otherwise what we're doing is we're looking at this whole, we have to look at all these different tests, but how, how great is that, that a single test, uh, can give us these, this great prediction. And it's very inexpensive and it's all about strength. You know, if you look at, uh, the, what happens to us as we get older, um, testosterone levels decline in men, we get these other hormone imbalances in women, osteoporosis, um, injury becomes quite common. Loss of balance becomes quite common. All of that uh, is directly combated from resistance training. Resistance training builds muscle, builds bone. Uh, balance issues oftentimes is, is a result of lack of strength. Um, when you're older and you lose muscle and strength and you fall and you break something, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, there's a saying in medicine that, the, you know, they'll, they'll break their hip and then die of pneumonia, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, Know that if your grandma is 75 years old and she breaks her leg, you know that it's not just like if I broke my leg, like we got to be very careful. Now she's going to be, you know, immobile, and then that causes some big, big problems. Building muscle and being strong um, is a, is one of the best insurances against that, especially in the context of modern life where most of our health problems are a result of being weak. Yeah. It's not like it used to be where we had a lot of injuries and issues due to overuse. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's due to just not having the strength to support ourselves. Um, so it's, it, it, you know, I, 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 it's really, I'm really passionate about this conversation because I believe resistance training and, you know, we talked about women, but just for everybody, mm -hmm. I believe that needs to be the, the mainstream first recommendation of exercise for all people for health, because by itself, it's, it's superior um, again, when you consider the context of modern life. No, it's so great. Everything you just said. And it's so true. I mean, I seriously like think of it like this, like, you know, in the later decades of life, how it could be very difficult for an individual to even just get out of their chair. So let's think about that for a second. Like, let's say, you know, at that point, you know, the individual lost weight, lost muscle specifically. So maybe it's like 115 pounds. It's hard to get out. So I think to myself, like, listen, I weigh a hundred and I, toggle between 130, 135 pounds. I need to make sure that I can deadlift this weight and like keep going there because my body's going to, again, I mean, I might be a unique case because I'm always like investing in the ways to keep myself strong and my muscles healthy. But if I don't do that, you know, it just, that, that strength starts to go away. And then eventually down the line, like I won't even be able to lift myself up. Right. So just that picture of like, can you even, can you steadily you, the individual listening, keep, you know, at, at the very least be able to lift your own weight. Right. Because later in life, if you can't, if you can't keep up with that, like you're going to be that person. And I mean, eventually like we all kind of land there, but like to push this out longevity, you want to be able to, I mean, I do, this is like, when I think of health, I'm not just thinking about, 
I'm thinking about cognition. I'm thinking about being able to get up out of my chair to go on long walks up hills, like do all the things. So it's like right now at this, at these younger decades of life, all of my actions, my choices, and you know, it, it, they're all leading me to keep investing in the ways at which I can do that. If I'm lucky to live in my life, you know, right. in those so let's, years. Look, let's look at three of the biggest, uh, a few of the biggest issues that happen with us as we age. Right. So we talked about osteoporosis. Uh, that's resistance training, right? You build muscle, muscle anchors on bone, bone gets, it builds and gets stronger. You could take all the calcium and vitamin D that you want, but if there's no signal to build stronger bones, it's not going to happen. Just like if I eat more protein, if I'm not telling my body or giving it a reason to build stronger muscles, it's not going to happen, right? So same thing with bone, but let's, let's talk about the other the more common ones, right? Obesity. All right. Um, one of the best protections against obesity is a faster metabolism, okay? Building muscle gives you a faster metabolism. Let's talk about the next one, diabetes. And let's, con let's combine that with Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's, many researchers will call type 3 diabetes. There's a lot of research that says that uh, Alzheimer's is the result of the brain's inability or the body's inability to utilize glucose effectively. Insulin insensitivity uh, is a big part of it. So diabetes, Alzheimer's, similar in some ways. Muscle is a very insulin sensitive tissue. Uh, in fact, sarcopenia, the loss of muscle is very strong, strongly connected with diabetes and Alzheimer's. Build muscle, do it the right way, be healthy, and your body remains very sensitive to insulin, okay? So again, uh, the things that tend to happen to us as we age, being strong is one of the best ways to counter all of that. And again, if you, if we just take a broader, you know, kind of view of it, getting older, it's almost as if your body's deteriorating and starting to waste away. Okay. You want to fight that directly. Again, what form of exercise fights deterioration? So loss of muscle, loss of bone, what form of exercise tells your body, uh, specifically not as a side effect, but rather specifically build muscle, build bone resistance training. So again, uh, and I keep making the case, it should be, here's one of the wonderful things about it as well, to reap the benefits, the health benefits of resistance training. The average person would get great benefits from one or two days a week of, you know, a full body workout. You don't need to do a lot of it. This is one of the beauties of, uh, of resistance training. All you need to do is send the signal to the body. The building happens on the days in between. So for the average person, I'm not talking about somebody who wants to yeah. look sculpted or whatever, be on the beach and look, they just want to be healthy. Mm -hmm. One or two days a week of traditional resistance training will produce uh, phenomenal longevity results. Yeah. And I love that you just took us there because honestly, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people think they have this impression that I'm beast mode all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking not. You know, I actually, I would say that walking is a huge piece of my movement throughout the week. I move seven days a week, right? Walking is every day throughout the day. Right. Um, I lift between like four days a week on average. And then I do, you know, I, I have a, a place in Vegas and a place at the beach in LA and, um, the beach is my backyard and I do, I love my long distance sand run. So I'm like in the deep sand, you know, it's, it's hard, but, um, and I sprinkle those in very conscious that I don't overdo it, but I'm doing it for more of the mindset piece. Um, but, and then there's some days where, yeah, I'm doing a hit session and it's maybe more intense, but what I want to share here is that like, 
I'm actually, it's it's less intense than most people think. And I, and, and I should probably say like my diet is, is very dialed in. Um, but I, I don't, I feel like I don't have to go hard all the time. First of all, that's not really a benefit. That's not going to benefit my hormones, but also like, I think I can get away with a lot more is what I'm trying to say, just because there's a steadiness of the resistance training, I think specifically, and then the diet helps, you know, Mm -hmm. versus like, I think a lot of people think, um, you know, even just to put it on me, if you see someone with, you know, a body composition, they're like, you must like work out hard every day. I'm like, no, I don't actually. (laughs) No, no. It's the difference between, uh, manually burning calories and teaching your body to burn them automatically. So I've had clients where, you know, I've had female clients who, um, over dieted, uh, did tons and tons of endurance exercise and workouts. And I slowly cut back on their endurance type training. They did lots of running, I had them do more resistance training. I slowly increased their calories and we got their metabolisms to burn, you know, 500, 600. I had one young lady, 800 calories more a day. Her body was naturally burning, you know? So what's happening with you is you, you've got a faster metabolism. You can get away with eating more because your body is, is burning more. Um, and, and that's a good thing to have. Now, if we were hunter gatherers and food was scarce, you don't necessarily want a fast metabolism, mm-hmm. but we live in uh, America. You know, there's I could on my phone I could have any kind of food I want delivered to me right now. It's everywhere. Yeah, our lives are sedentary naturally. I have to find ways to move. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't, then naturally I'm going to be sitting quite a bit. I sit at my job. I sit in my car. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of physical labor at home. So uh, you're sedentary. So you're not burning a lot of calories anyway on your own lots of food around you, you want a fast metabolism. Fast metabolism allows you to stay lean and live in this, you know, modern world. Um, And so it becomes a a tremendous benefit. Um, I do want to back, go back a little bit. You did say that your body weight was around 130, I think you said. Yeah, I go between 130, 135. Yeah. 130, 135. So I love people. How tall are you, by the way? 5'4". Okay. So I love I used to work. So when I used to manage, there was a gym here in San Jose I used to manage and I had a trainer. She was like you, right? She was mm-hmm. about five. I think she was five, three, five, four, right around your body weight. Mm-hmm. And she looked like you, right? Lean and all that stuff. And whenever I would talk about resistance training to a potential uh, member, a female, I would get sometimes the whole like, oh, I don't want to get big and bulky. I just want to lose weight. Then I would call in my trainer who looked like <laughs> you and I'd say, uh, can you guess her body weight? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, um, you know, it was always like around 105, 110, <laughs> uh, 105, 110. Then I'd say, okay, let's walk over to the scale. And then we'd have her hop on the scale and be like, you know, 130 pounds and they'd be blown away. And I'd say, you know, muscle is very dense. So you can build muscle, burn body fat. Um, five pounds of muscle takes up way less space than five pounds of body fat. Uh, the scale really isn't that important. Yeah. If you have muscle, you have less body fat, you're going to be t- tight, more dense, and the body weight doesn't matter. Whereas, you know, again, with fat, it's just, it's kind of fluffy. It takes up a lot of space. So, (laughs) but I used to love that. I I, I used to love using that as an example because they would always guess like 20 pounds lighter. No, for sure. I don't think many people can really guess my weight either. I mean, I definitely look 
dense, but like, yeah, you're not thinking because 130, 135 can sound like a lot, but it's not, you know, it's like, it's, it's strength. Um, yeah. And I, small marine, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, one thing that you, um, had just brought up that I want to talk about with you too, is this whole calorie conversation, the calories in calorie out. Cause I, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I should probably let you jump off there and then I'll insert some of my thoughts around that. Um, can we talk about that? Like, cause there's so much argument I feel like, I, and it's very binary. And I feel like there's something in the middle, like, yes, to lose weight, you need to be in a deficit, but I do, I live on the side where, you know, I'm very holistic. Like I, I'm a purist, man. My food is like, you know, my oils are legit. Like it's all grass fed. It's, and I do, I do feel that, you know, nutrient dense foods are giving your body a whole different, it's, it's, you're communicating with your body in a very different way. But at the end of the day to lose weight, you need to be in a deficit. But if you could just wrap out about that, um, I would love it. Yes. Okay. So, um, yes, the, the, it's a, it's a law of physics, right? You need to take in less energy than you burn in order to lose weight or take in more calories or more energy than you burn in order to gain weight. You can't get around that. That's totally a fact. But if you focus on that and you use that as a way to manage your body composition, your health, you're, you're probably going to fail. In fact, you're probably the fail rate on that is 80 to 90%. Okay. That's a fact. What is a better strategy is to focus on behaviors, okay? Because behaviors are what drive us. And also focus on eating habits that drive behaviors that are either beneficial or detrimental. So I'll use a very, very easy uh, example. Um, and, um, and, and they finally have studies to support this. I've been communicating this for years, but we now have several studies that actually support this. There is a category of foods that are designed uh, and engineered to make you overeat. Okay. Um, they actually, uh, they, we have a, a natural system of satiety. We have palate fatigue. These things kick in. They tell us to stop eating. Okay. Because overeating even thousands of years ago would have posed problems just like they do today. So it wasn't like we were just these eating machines. And if there was food in front of us, we ate as much as we could. Uh, our bodies naturally would tell us, and they still do. Your body still will tell you naturally when you should stop eating. Now, what, ha- the, the, what gets in front of that are a couple different things. One, bad relationship to food. If I'm medicating with food, mm-hmm. if I'm using food like a drug, then I might not listen to that signal or that signal is, it doesn't really work with me. The second issue, which is more common, is that there's uh, a majority of our diet, majority of the, uh, the average person's diet is made up of foods that are designed to overcome palate fatigue to overcome those natural systems of satiety. This category of foods can generally generally be labeled as uh, heavily processed foods, okay? Heavily processed foods are literally engineered. And most of the money that goes into creating the, a box of crackers or chips or, you know, uh, you know, a fish stick or whatever, most of the, the, uh, the research and development goes into making them as palatable as possible. Palatability refers to the hedonistic properties of food. So the taste, the way it makes me feel, the pleasure. So that includes the the taste, the texture, the sound it makes when I bite into it, the residue it leaves on my fingers, the smell, the color of the box, the way it sounds when I open it, like all these things and more 
is all calculated uh, into this engineering of food. And they've been doing this for a long time. There's a lot of money that goes into this, okay? In fact, um, and, and it, it's very effective. In fact, every single food category, including health foods, the top selling foods are the ones that are the most palatable. Even if health food, even, you go to a health food store, number one selling protein powder or bar or whatever is always the one that's the most uh, palatable. It's because it's, it's, it, it, we like it and that's what we want to buy, right? Yeah. So they do a good job of doing this. Well, we now have studies to support just how effective they've been at doing this. So, um, and these are very well done studies and very controlled. There was one in particular where they took two groups of people and they put them in a, inside a lab. So everything was monitored. It wasn't a survey. A lot of nutrition studies are done by survey, which are notoriously inaccurate. This one was actually done in a laboratory and they took two groups and they gave them unlimited access to food in each group. And they, they uh, made sure that the macro profiles, macros referring to proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, were very similar, if not identical, in both groups. So it wasn't like one side was high carb, low fat, the other one was high fat, low carb, none of that stuff. It was very similar. The only difference was one group had unlimited access to processed foods, so foods that come in wrappers or boxes. The other group had unlimited access to whole natural foods. So these are foods that have like one ingredient, right? Like ground beef, eggs, milk, fruit, vegetables, that kind of stuff. And they left people in there and they said, eat as much as you want. Then what they did, and here's my favorite part of the study, is after a certain period of time, they took the same, those two groups and they switched rooms, okay? Just to control for any potential variability in the actual groups themselves, okay? So they stuck them here for a while, switched them, and left them there for a while, and then they calculated everything out. On average, when people are eating heavily processed foods, they consume, and this has been confirmed in, in several other studies, five to 600 more calories a day. Okay. So if you eat, and this is just your own body telling you when it's time to stop eating, five to 600 calories a day. Now, for the average person listening or watching this, that's the equivalent of an hour and a half for two hours of really hard cardio for most people. Maybe not. Maybe some people wouldn't even burn that many calories in two hours. So you'd have to like go outside and bust your ass for two hours to burn 500 calories. By the way, don't believe those cardio machines. They totally bloat those numbers. <laughs> it's about 500 calories. Yeah, it's total lies, right? And that's the average. That's what they would eat on average. That's equivalent roughly, roughly um, to a pound of body fat a week that that's you would crazy. gain from eating that. It's yeah. insane, right? So- yeah. So one thing you can do, one strategy, and that now, what do these processed foods do? They encourage the behavior mm -hmm. of overeating, right? Yeah. So if you simply reduce or eliminate your heavily processed food consumption, don't even worry about calories, don't even worry about anything else, just eat like you normally would, it's safe to say that you can expect that you would probably eat about 500 calories less than you normally do every single day, which will probably result in most people in fat loss. Now, will this strategy get you shredded? Probably not. But eating whole natural foods will probably result long-term in a body that's, you know, in a, in a healthy range of body fat percentage. You're not going to be 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight doing that. And that's really the big problem is this heavily processed food consumption, which now makes up about 75 to 80% of the average person's diet. In fact, if you go back and look at the obesity epidemic, mm -hmm. you know, they tried to pin it on fat, then they tried to pin it on sugar. The reality is it was processed foods. The 
the processed food market started to grow as it grew and as more people started to eat these fast, easy, and palatable foods for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And as that consumption went up, so did obesity. When you cut those out, your behaviors start to kind of, you start to eat in a way that's a little bit better for your body, as if your body naturally knew what to do. Now, the first part that I talked about had to do with your relationship to food. Mm -hmm. That's a whole another topic. But I think if you eliminate processed foods, do that first, because that's an easy step. Mm -hmm. Then the next step is to simply bring awareness around what you eat. And one of the best ways to do that is to, when you're going to eat your food, mm -hmm. sit down, no computer, no phone, no TV, no water. You don't want to even, you want to chew your food, mm -hmm. sit down, eat your food, put your fork down or your spoon, spoon down in between bites and enjoy the bite that's in your mouth. Chew and enjoy the, literally be present with the food. I found that that makes a huge difference uh, with people who tend to eat because they're bored or stressed or sad or happy. Um, I found that that makes, that right there makes a big difference. And they start to kind of piece those things together themselves. It's huge. I mean, I'm personally, I don't like to talk or do anything when I eat. I, I'm literally like on a date with my food, as funny as that might sound. But also, you know, digestion really starts in the mind. Like your mind starts thinking, the, then the acids and the saliva, like it, it actually starts. It's not just, you know, when you put the food in your mouth and it goes down the, the hatch. So if you're not if you're not conscious and like many people aren't right, they're just kind of eating unconsciously talk, you know, and I'm not saying you can't sit down and have dinner with someone. I, I definitely can do that, but it's just, it's what you just said. It's like pulling you into the present moment to be aware of, you know, the food going into your mouth and just the whole experience of it. I think it's so huge. And I also think that, um, just want to put emphasis here on what you said, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the lab work, it's like Pringles, you know, can't just eat one. They're like, we're going to make sure of that actually. <laughs> Cause oh, the it's crazy. The science is, the science is crazy. Okay. Here's yeah. an example I like to give on the podcast. I've given it a million times. If, if you took, if you're watching or listening to this, right. Imagine if I put in front of you five big boiled potatoes, no mm -hmm. salt, no butter, just plain boiled potatoes, five of them. And I told you to eat them all in an hour would you be able to do it? Now, most people would be not, they wouldn't be able to do it. They'd probably gag after the second potato. They, uh, they, you know, they'd hit palate fatigue. They wouldn't be able to do that. But if I gave you a regular size of Lay's potato chips, you'd probably be able to eat that in an hour. Inside an average size bag of Lay's potato chips is five potatoes. Okay. Wow. It's easy to eat them uh, in that hyper palatable processed form. Mm -hmm. It's hard to eat them in their whole natural form, at least in, in, in overconsumption, just to show you uh, how big of a difference uh, that that all makes. Now, back to the being aware with your food. Here's another example that uh, I think will resonate with people. If you can think back to the last time you, you know, you binged out on something, maybe the last time you ate, you know, Oreo cookies or whatever, some kind of food that triggers you and you ate it like crazy. Think back to that last time you did that. The behavior that we tend to exhibit with that is we're not thinking about the, the bite that's in our mouth. So if I have Oreo cookies and I'm eating the cookie, I'm not thinking about the bite that's in my mouth. I'm not even enjoying it. All I can think about is the bite that's in my hand. It's all about the next one. It's the next one. It's the next one. It's literally not being present with your food. 
you're not even thinking about what you're eating. You're thinking about the one that's in the bag or the one that's in my, and that's why we tend to, in fact, the studies that they did on processed food, the ones that I talked about earlier, when people eat heavily processed food, they eat something like 30 or 40% faster. So wow. they're, they're also wow. speeding up the way that they, it's like a literally like a, a drug effect yeah. on the body. Yeah. Ladies, I am so excited to let you know that Queendom, Black Belt Beauty's exclusive membership community for women only, has officially opened her doors and is welcoming new members. Queendom is an exclusive community of high-minded, empowering, supportive, badass women who are all on a mission to live from their fullest potential in life. This empowered space is monitored by me personally to ensure that it is non-toxic, non-competing, and an inspiring, energetic environment. What this membership includes is one monthly live Zoom call with me, where I take you on a deep dive and a specific focus for the month. So think topics like self-love, self-confidence, and vitality. These topics are vital to living from your fullest potential in life. So these talks are going to support you to get more clarity on them and help you to develop and strengthen your relationship with them in your life. You get one monthly challenge that is specific to the focus for the month for stronger development and progress in that area. You get a monthly workbook with a summary of that topic and journal prompts around the subject. You get a variety of intentional meditations that I create to help you get rooted in specific areas of yourself and your life. You get exclusive Black Boat Beauty Radio podcast guest content for Queendom members only. And ladies, I love to have fun, so you can expect to have a lot of it in Queendom. There will be several pop-up virtual events, including more live coaching sessions with me, beauty sessions, training sessions, cooking hangs, master classes and Q&As, all with high-level guest experts. You also get my VIP high performance vault. So think my top tools that I rely on to feel my best, to look my best, and to perform my best in life. Above all, you get community and accountability support from the incredible members of Queendom who are on aligned missions to live from their fullest potential in life. You know, one of my favorite quotes that sums up my aim with Queendom is this one by Reid Hoffman. No matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you will always lose out to a team. You guys, I want you all to be winning in your life from within and out. And I'm a firm believer that teamwork truly does make the dream work. So I've designed Queendom to be exactly that, a team of women who are supporting the best in each other to actualize their dreams into life. So the cost for all of this is just $40 a month. And that price is exclusive to this period of enrollment only. For those who purchase a full year of membership upfront, you get one month of membership for free. Investing in this membership is investing in yourself. So if you're ready to join Queendom, go to blackbeltbeauty.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Ladies, let's seek the fight together in 2021 as a badass team of empowered queens. Membership has its privileges. I can't wait to see you and support you in the queendom. 
you know, when I think about like the processed food and the fast food and, you know, I don't even think of this as food, to be honest, Sal. I think I, to my mind, it's just like, that's calories. It's not food. I eat food, right? That's, that's not food. That's calories. Um, and, you know, just to kind of pull on one more string there, you know, when you said that, um, you know, obesity started to climb as these processed foods started to become more available, what also started to happen is people were moving less, right? So, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, you don't have to make any effort to get calories in on your phone at nine o'clock at night while you're watching the Netflix, you can order the Haagen-Dazs to fucking come like meet you at your door, like no effort there. So not only are we, you know, um, you know, putting in things that aren't really serving our health, we're not moving as much. And then this is kind of a segue into an area that I want to go with you is, you know, the lack of um, just resilience that is happening, like a human that is not moving, that's not getting stronger, not testing their strength, not fortifying their health with nutrition. This a hundred percent. And I know this from my own experience, this affects your mind, your emotions, your behavior. So when we think about, um, the fucking crazy world that we're living in right now, society, you know, all the things, I mean, there's never been a more important time to be a resilient human, to have a deep connection to, you know, a strong mindset, a healthy nervous system, you know, where critical thinking is active because there's not that much of that happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, one thing that you said, I'm going to read the quote because I love it so much. The healthy, strong, capable, and empowered version of us has the greatest capacity for positive change. The weak, unhealthy, disempowered version of you will only make the world worse. Want to change the world? Start with yourself. I can't like that shit enough because I, so I say this often on the podcast and on all my channels, but, um, I don't see us just as humans like you're Sal, I'm Roxy. Okay, cool. No, we're actually fucking experiences. I'm giving you an experience right now. You're giving me an experience. We're giving the collective who's dialed into this talk an experience. And every single individual we come across in life, like we're giving an experience. So when I think about how to make the world a better place from my existence, my contribution, it's like, well, first of all, I want to, if I'm feeling vital and robust and, you know, this is going to keep my mindset in a very empowered, strong, and like, I'm looking to the light kind of, cause it, it goes hand in hand. Right. And I'm not, you know, when, when I go to get my coffee from the person at the cafe, like I'm present, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm available to say when they're on autopilot and they're like, how's your day? And I'm like, I'm, my day's going great or whatever. How's yours. And then you wake them out of the autopilot, you know, but like, this is being healthy and strong. Like you said, in that amazing quote, is, is a contribution to the better of our society and our world. And so when you go back to this whole, like, how are you taking care of your, your system, right? This vessel that you're in by way of your nutrition and your, your movement and all that, like that, you know, it, yes, it's for you to feel great and to live a long, healthy life, but to expand that idea that you're actually also contributing to the better of our world and our society. And, the last piece I'll say is, is that, you know, you, you, when you think about again, where we are in in our lives today with all this crazy shit and it's all uncertain and all this, not like, listen, 
you want to be as strong and healthy as you possibly can for, you know, infinite reasons. So I would love for you to just run with that piece of conversation that I just gave you. Cause it's so good. Thank you. No, I think, okay. So society is just a collection of, of individuals and um, society, society's wants and desires really has to boils down to what the individuals uh, want and desire and healthy people. And when I say healthy, by the way, I don't just mean physically healthy. I mean, healthy in, in the entire, in the whole sense, right? Cause you can be physically healthy, but also be very unhealthy, you know, mentally or psychologically. Mm-hmm. You see this with bodybuilders, for example, or, or, you know, people who are body obsessed. So I mean, health in the, in the truest sense, Tr- healthy people want good products. Healthy people want healthy food. They want healthy entertainment. They want, uh, you know, uh, the market to develop products for that, for things that are a healthy person would want. Right. So, you know, if you're under a lot of stress and things are scary, someone who's unhealthy may reach for cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's healthy may reach for spiritual practice, exercise, connection with other people. And I'm just giving some examples, right? So uh, our markets give us what we want. And if what we want is garbage food, alcohol, and distractions, all the money and innovation is going to go in that direction. So that's number one. So if we want the world to change and be a good place, then we need to be good ourselves. And then we'll see. And not only that, but let's be quite honest. Uh, the greatest impact that I have on changing anything is me. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I could try to change you. I could try to influence you, um, but I have but a fraction of the power over your life than I have over my own life. I'm far more effective at making myself a better person than I would at making you or anybody else uh, a better person. Um, I like to also look at it this way. Look, I think that we are a consciousness or a spirit within this physical body, okay? Maybe you want to consider it an awareness. Maybe you don't believe in in uh, you know a spirit, fine. It's an awareness within this body. Okay, this body is what filters in this information that we get from the outside world. Okay, so like uh, you know, my brain is processing everything that I'm seeing right now, but my brain doesn't actually. My brain's in a dark space in my in my in my skull, <laughs> but it's but I'm perceiving this light around me and all these people around me and all these interactions I have and all that stuff. If my body and my mind are unhealthy. Uh, those are my filters. Uh, my interactions with people are going to be more negative. Yeah. The world is going to seem more overwhelming and anxiety prone. I'm going to feel less hopeful mm-hmm. about things because my filter is dirty. Yeah. I'm not my optimal self. Everything is much worse when I'm not my optimal uh, self, when I'm not healthy. So being healthy um, you know, it, it, it has such a big impact on things uh, more so than just the obvious I'm lean and I don't get heart disease and, and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It makes such a, imagine if everybody you interacted with in the world, when you went out to, you know, when you went for a walk or you talked to the person at the grocery store, you're on the highway. If everybody was, you know, just 10% healthier psychologically, mentally, physically, spiritually, right? How, how big of a difference would that make in the world? Healthy people innovate more. We're more inventive. We're more productive. When I'm healthy and I feel good, I'm more productive. I work more. I'm a better father. 
I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. Um, I'm less quick to anger. I'm more empathetic uh, to other people. Um, I feel more capable, right? I don't feel so afraid and weak. uh, I feel like I can, I think I can handle things, you know? Um, so it's a very important thing. It's it's one of our number one things I think we can do. And again, I speak from the holistic sense because it's not just about physical health, although physical health is a wonderful entry point. I think it's an easy entry point into, you know, making yourself, uh, you know, uh, looking at this total sphere of health. Because if you go along the physical health path long enough, eventually you look at mental health, psychological health, and spiritual health. I think those are all a part of it. But if you improve all those things, mm-hmm. um, you make a tremendous impact on uh, the world around you. So it's very much our responsibility. And again, I'm not speaking from a, a narcissistic, body obsessed point of view. I think that's an unhealthy distortion yeah. of what we're talking about. I mean it in the in the truest sense. And by the way, we know what this looks like when we're around it. You know, mm-hmm. I've been around you know, uh, physically sculpted people who are unhealthy. And when you're with around them in person, you feel it like, Oh, the, the person's, yeah, I, I can see that they got abs and all that stuff, but you can, you can feel the poor health. Right. right. And then I've been around people who are really healthy in the truest sense. They're vibrant. They're attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're effective, right. They're very, very effective. Um, one of the great things that exercise does, um, and why I said that's such a great entry point mm-hmm. is it teaches us to be empowered, right? Because I exercise and if I put in the effort, I see the result. And the only way it's going to happen is if I go and do it. Mm -hmm. So if I go and do it, I get the result. If I keep doing it, I get the result. It's also a wonderful way to learn acceptance. Um, I'll never, you know, uh, I'll never be as muscular as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'll accept that. It's okay though. I'll keep working with what, you know, I have, I've accepted that. Right. So I know who I am. I'm empowered uh, within it. It also creates, it also allows you, or at least it encourages a good relationship with struggle and pain. You know, when, when, when I was a trainer and I used to train clients, especially new clients, they had such a tough time with the burn that they would feel when they would do like a basic exercise, like a tricep press down, like they, they do the tricep press down. Like, oh my God, I can't, I need to stop. I can't do that. Or they get sore and then they, the next day they're like, oh man, I, I, I don't like the way it feels because the relationship to pain up until that point was, you know, pain is bad, right? Mm-hmm. When you work mm-hmm. out a lot, like when I work out and I feel the burn, the pain, I feel the pain just like the next guy does. Yeah. But my relationship, yeah. my relationship to it has changed. So then my relationship to struggle starts to change, or at least I start to become aware that there's a relationship to struggle, right? I'll give you another mm-hmm. great example. Recently, the, uh, near my house, there was a gas leak. So the gas company had to come and shut off the gas to the house. So we had no hot, we had no hot water. We had no gas for, for a couple of days. So I wake up in the morning and I wake up at 5 a.m. every day to work out. And then I take a shower and then I come to work. And so I get in the shower, freezing cold water. Okay. So it's freezing, you know, whatever. And I'm pissed off and I get out of the shower and I'm kind of cursing under my own breath. And my wife is like, she starts laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? It sucks. I had to take a cold shower. And she goes, you know, at least twice a month, you take a cold shower on purpose for your health, <laughs> which is true. Yeah. A couple of days yeah. a month or more, I'll purposely take a cold shower because it's Me good for, for health yeah. reasons. Yeah. 
And I said, oh my God, you're totally right. The difference was I chose it on one hand and the other hand, I felt like I was being forced. So I just had to change that relationship to the cold and I was no longer angry. But I, but exercise helps teach us that, how to, how to develop that, you know, that, that relationship to struggle. Because once you develop that, a relationship to struggle, that's positive. Yeah. Well, then what's struggle? All of a sudden, challenge is totally different in the world. So it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. You know, one of the greatest um, methods that has supported me to essentially, it's like get comfortable with dis- discomfort. And I know that this will uh, resonate with you um, is jujitsu because I've been training jujitsu for, for years now. And I know that you did for, I think, was it six years at least? Right? Six years, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, you know, like I've got this like 200 pound guy and his gi just sweating on me. Like, (laughs) I'm like pinned to the (laughs) ground, you know? And it's like, what do you do in that moment? You know, do you lose your shit or do you stay collected and like, think about, you know, you're out or, you know, and, um, so jujitsu has been so, so valuable for that. And I, and, you know, uh, this is always a part of my conversation where, um, I literally have reframed what challenge means to me, not just from like the physical training aspect, but like through life, you know, because there's been a lot of challenge. And honestly, I have a whole, you know, um, kind of motto under my, my, my brand, uh, which is seek the fight. Like I fucking seek the challenge. I've reframed challenge to be an opportunity. It's an opportunity in some way, shape or form to get better, to get stronger, to be capable is literally one of my favorite words. I think it's just one of the sexiest words to be fucking capable, you know? So it's exactly what you're saying. It's like this reframe and think about how valuable that is right now, you know, in this, in this crazy time that we're all navigating, like, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. One day it's this next day, it's that, whatever. But like when you, when you start to develop this, this ability to, to, to kind of find more comfort in the struggle, like you're saying in the, in the, you know, in the challenge, you just move through life differently. And I do agree. And I know this because I literally use training um, in my own life for that reason. Yes, the deadlift is for the strength and longevity and for the the glutes and the thing, but it's it's really also for everything that you just said. It's that so I know that I'm capable, like whatever life is going to throw at me or I'm, I'm in the arena and I'm going to take a punt. Like, don't worry, girl, you got this shit, but that's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, and I would love for you to just, you know, go, uh, wrap out about this too, but the repetition work is important. Like there's no fucking period at the end of the sentence. You got to keep putting the reps in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when people listen, I think, they think, um, oh, you're so good. You know, you, you train so much that you get so good at handling challenge that it's no longer challenging. That's not true. That's, that's not true. Um, it, it's, it's, it's still hard. Here's the difference, okay? The difference becomes the uh, acceptance of the challenge rather than the, uh, you're, you're not accepting it. Like how many times have people been in a bad situation and they're like, okay, it, this is not happening. This is not happening to me. I can't believe this is happening. I cannot believe. And that causes them so much more pain and suffering rather than, okay, accepting that this sucks. This is hard. I've been through some tough times in my life. This really sucks. I need to accept it. And know that at the end of this, I'll survive. 
Um, and there's going to be some growth at the end of it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's still fucking hard. It's yeah. just not harder yeah. than it needs to be. <laughs> we tend to make things harder um, than they need to be. Um, and, you know, again, it's not about being fearless. It's not about, uh, you know, not feeling challenged. You know, bravery doesn't exist without fear. You know, you, you can never be brave if you're not afraid. Uh, so, so, so that's not what it's about. I'm not talking about being fearless. I hate that word fearless. Me too. That's <laughs> uh, everybody gets afraid. Um, you know, I had this conversation with my, with my kid once, uh, years ago, cause he was afraid to, to, he was going to do a tournament and he was afraid to be in front of people. And I said, you know, um, I said, do you think Superman is brave? And he says, oh yeah, Superman's very brave. I said, so when he flies into a burning be- building, he's being brave. And he goes, yeah. I said, is the burning building going to hurt Superman? And he goes, well, no. And I said, do you still think he's brave? And he goes, huh? I said, <laughs> what about the fireman that goes in the, in, the, in the building that's on fire? Who could die from the fire? Do you think he's brave? And it, it clicked for him and it made sense. And so I said, you can't be brave unless you're scared first. So you're afraid right now. You can choose to be brave. Um, that's totally up to you. Um, so same thing with challenge, same thing with fear, all the stuff that we're talking about. It's You don't want to make it harder than it needs to be by not accepting the reality of the challenge. It sucks. This sucks right now. You know, I lost my business or, you know, my, 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 someone's sick or something terrible is happening. You know, accept the reality, be present, be confident that uh, at the end of it, you'll grow. Um, but accept the reality. Don't make it any worse than it needs to be. And again, challenging yourself uh, through exercise, through personal growth, and remember, growth doesn't happen from be- when you're comfortable. So when we're talking about personal growth, personal growth, it, the real personal growth doesn't happen from feeling comfortable and good. There's no change that needs to happen in that state. It just doesn't, it's just, it's not going to happen. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to be in a position where something sucks, you know, or this is genuinely difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in those situations. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. It's still going to suck. Again, it's always going to suck. Yeah. But you develop a different relationship. You develop a different relationship with the challenge. Just like, again, I feel the pain of barbell squats just as much as the next person does. <laughs> I just have a different relationship with the pain than they may, may have. But they can develop that relationship through practice. And for sure, my Aria has, uh, he has this uh, statement he says all the time, like, enjoy the suffer. Cause you know, his ass is suffering, like on the road to Olympia, just like <laughs> doing all the things. It's, it's right, so right. true. It's so right, true. Right. Okay. Um, a couple of things, um, I need to respect your time. Um, so let me ask you this, uh, one of my, one of my best girls, I was like, so if you had the opportunity to ask one of the most incredible, knowledgeable health and fitness experts in the world, a question, what would it be? And she's like, I would want to know what his younger self would tell him, you know, like specifically related to like your, your health and, and fitness journey. Like what would like a 20 year old Sal tell Sal now kind of advice? Oh gosh. Yeah. So, um, 20 year old me was, I was very driven, very focused, but I was also insecure. Um, I had, you know, I was very body obsessed, so I was all about how I looked and I need to build muscle and, and that's, what's most important. It was a bit self-absorbed. Um, and so, uh, and there was a process of learning to get kind of move away from that. Um, you know, 
I guess what I would say to the, my, to myself back then uh, is what I say a lot on the podcast. And you know, one thing that I do a lot on the podcast is I try to communicate the right thing, but I do understand that the importance of selling it also because the average person listening, when I say you know you want to be healthy, and they're thinking I just want to have sexy abs, I really don't care yeah. about <laughs> being healthy. I'm 25 years old, I don't care. I just want to look hot or whatever. <laughs> So I need to sell it to them. And now I don't lie. I tell them the truth, but I, I present it in this way. If you're healthy, you're going to look great. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're constantly trying to look great, eventually your health will suffer and so will your looks. Okay. So the way I would present this to my 20-year-old self would be, hey, look, try to be as healthy as possible and I guarantee you'll look good. You'll look better than you do now trying to always look uh, better all the time. And that's the message again that I try to communicate, you know, that's what awesome. would my 20 year old self say to me now? Mm-hmm. Oh man, they'd probably say something like, uh, <laughs> like, holy shit, you're like how much white hair you have. <laughs> it's wisdom. It's all wisdom. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. A couple of things before in the, like how I like to wrap out with my guests for the first time. And I, I, I'm just putting this out there. I got to do it again with you um, down the line. Cause you're just, you're badass. Um, so one thing that I love to ask my guests, is there anything that you wish um, people would ask you more and that, you, you know, sits kind of at the top of your heart and your mind that you want to put out there? Um, no pressure. I know we've talked about a lot of things, um, but if there is anything that you want to live in this conversation, go. Yeah. So, I mean, I enjoyed all the questions that you asked me. Those are all uh, great. I, I, I wish more people would ask about the, uh, the spiritual and mental side of health, um, at least to, uh, to, to myself and my co-hosts, I, I think, you know, we're, we're fitness guys. So all of our questions tend to be revolved around fitness, but the root of long-term success really is, uh, is a, is a, is a mental, uh, and spiritual one. It's one where you develop this relationship with exercise and nutrition and lifestyle to where it is not a, Oh no, I got to go work out. Oh, I need to eat the right food. It's just the way you live. It's a very relaxed way of living. It's a way of being. And so those are the, that's a direction I like to go these days. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a feel good lifestyle. And I know that again, in my own life, um, the difference of when, you know, I was eating more of the American diet, I mean, a long time ago, my teens, um, but I remember it. I remember it because I always say this, you you don't really know how good, good feels until you really get on that side of it. Right. You might have yeah, an you idea. Don't the, you don't know the contrast. There's a story. There's a, uh, like a fable. I think it is where this, this man, well, this, this boy was born and one eye was sewn shut. So he's, he was born with one eye sewn shut and he grows up and everybody keeps telling him you need to open your eyes so you can see. And he's like, what are you talking about? I can see everything. And it's not until somebody cuts the, the thread that he opens his other eye that he realizes what he wasn't seeing. Right. Yeah. So I think you're totally right. A lot of people walk around, uh, chronically unhealthy, mm. uh, you know, physically, mentally, they have a bad relationship to food, very inactive. Don't realize they're physically depressed. Don't realize the, the chemical depression that they feel from their lifestyle. Don't realize how disempowered they feel um, because they're not taking their health into their own hands. And um, it's tough to convince them otherwise because when you try to, they're like, well, I feel fine. What are you talking about? I, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I, I go to work. I do my thing. I, I think, you know, I'm happy. And it's like, you have no idea 
what, uh, what it feels like on the other end. You have no idea. But once you show them, it's pretty awesome. Right. Lead by example. And yeah, no, I love that so much. Um, okay. So if you had a magic wand and you can give the masses, <laughs> you got a magic wand for sure. You can give the masses um, one habit that would have a large positive ripple effect in their life. What would that be and why? Oh, great. Easy. <laughs> um, to, to, to treat themselves like somebody they truly cared about. I think if, if people did that, um, their decisions would be very different. I think their decisions with food would be very different with uh, exercise, the, the people that they surround themselves with, uh, the decisions that they make. Um, I think we do a great job oftentimes of treating people around us like we care about them, to our kids, our family members, our friends. But we, don't, we tend to not do that uh, to ourselves uh, very well. It tends to either be indulgence or restriction, both of which are not uh, not really taking care of yourself like somebody you care about. Um, and I think if, if we could do that, then I think we would solve a lot of the problems, uh, mm -hmm. at least a lot of the health problems that we have. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, you're literally, you're, you're speaking to what I speak about all the time, which is, you know, getting into this, um, really loving, unbreakable relationship with yourself. I mean, I've developed that. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of in my life because it's, um, I care very much about how I feel and, and my experience here. And, and I don't just care, but like that care moves into my intentions and my actions. And then this creates the lifestyle. And then this creates the experience that I not only am, but you know, that, I, that I'm having in this life. So it's, it's, I fucking love that you just put that in there. Cause it's just, it's perfect. It's amazing. Thank you for that magic wand. Okay. So Final part is um, I have these rapid fire words that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw at you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm rapid mm -hmm. in these words. They're one word. You do not have to be rapid in your response. You can elaborate. I encourage that. Um, it's just whatever comes top of mind, top of heart. When you, when you take this, these words in ready. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. First word Here. is love. Ooh, uh, family, family for me. I, you know, I have, yeah, I grew up in a, a traditional Italian family. We're very, very family oriented. Um, it's very important to us. You know, having dinner together is very important. Uh, being connected and seeing each other is very important. I have three children. I got a, a newborn mm -hmm. that was just born about five weeks ago, and I have two older kids. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, when I think love, I think family, especially with with my kids. There's uh, there's no words to describe. Uh, you know what I how I feel about them. I love it. It's beautiful. Next word is fear. Fear. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> not being, uh, what, well, I'll tell you what I fear is not being the best, uh, father, um, that I can be uh, again. And that connects to the first one. Mm -hmm. I love my kids so much that I want to be the best dad and, um, I'm human, so I'm not perfect. And that's a struggle constantly. <laughs> so, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. Um, next word is curiosity. <laughs> debate, debate and discussion. I love debating ideas uh, with people. It's my favorite way of learning. I, not everybody likes it. I, sometimes <laughs> people hate to be confronted or debated. They think it's, they think they're arguing. I love it. I love debating smart people. Um, cause I'm learning 
I'm constantly learning. Sometimes I get my mind changed too, which I love. That's like my brother, Mike, my brother, he's a, I would say like he, he can come across as like, he likes the argument, but no, he, it's the cerebral adventure that you go on when you're in this, you know, back and forth action. So yeah, you guys, you guys should debate. (laughs) You, I love it. Yeah. You have a lot in common. You're told when I think of the word curious, I'm like, that's you. You're just so curious. Like all the knowledge that you have attained, it's because you're a fucking curious, you know, human to be driving towards that. So yeah, you're curious. I'm giving you that. Um, next word is challenge. <laughs> challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, uh, what, what comes to mind is there, there's a side of my business that challenges me uh, quite a bit. Um, and that's the, I guess the, the, the notoriety side of, of media. Um, I appreciate, I really enjoy what I do. I love communicating fitness. I love talking to people about health. Um, I also am uh, simultaneously private. And so if, when I go out and speak, I enjoy doing that. But then when people approach me, it can sometimes challenge me and make me feel a little bit, uh, uncomfortable. And so this is something that I've, I'm better at now. I'm more comfortable with now. But in the, especially if I'm with my kids, like if I'm with my kids and then someone recognizes me, yeah, uh, I feel challenged by that. I feel uncomfortable at first. This is, by the way, uh, you know, not saying anything bad to anybody that does approach me who listens to the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it, um, but it does challenge me in a very interesting way. I didn't realize that that would happen, uh, but it, it's something I'm working on for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that could be. And you, you would you say that I'm not really into labels, but I feel like there's a similarity. Um, um, you are more introverted, would you say? I, I'm both, right? I mean, you're an ambivert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if I'm at a party, I don't like surface conversation. Yeah, I feel very uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> right. So, so I go deep, real fast. Like, let's talk about like real shit. You know. <laughs> Me too. Um, otherwise, you know what I end up doing? I end up like hopping from group to group because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, hey, this is boring. I, I just don't go. Do. Yeah, but if we're gonna like sit down and like have these like deep like debate yeah. conversations and have a, a great time. Um I feel very comfortable um if I'm talking uh in front of people. That mm-hmm. makes me feel very comfortable. Afterwards I feel uncomfortable. So like we've done these live events. It's funny. We'll do these live events, you know, and I'm talking to people and we're we're, we're doing our presentation, having a great time. And then afterwards, when they come up and talk to us, then I'm like <laughs> I feel kind of weird, you know? So I guess I'm, I'm probably both. You're an ambivert for sure. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I mean, God, who knows when we'll be able to do live events again, but you know, I've been to yours and they're so fun and hopefully that comes back and, and now I'll know. I'll be like, Sal's uncomfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just a couple more words. Um, passion. Oh, passion. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> life. Uh, I think you know, I think you gotta have, you have to find passion in life. You really do. Otherwise it's really hard. Life is, it can be kind of unbearable if you don't find some kind of passion um, in it. Um, So I think that's an important part of, you know, at least for me, it's a very important part of who I am. If I don't feel passionate, here's the deal. Okay. I'm either extremely passionate about something or I'm totally not interested. So that's (laughs) kind of my personality. But, um, but I mean, I love it. If I'm passionate about something, it makes, uh, things very exciting. I enjoy every single day. If I'm not, it's like, yeah, go back to <laughs> I'm with you. 
I love it. Okay. Courage. Mm. Courage. Well, uh, I'll, I'll say fear. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think people think that courageous people are people without fear, mm -hmm. but the most courageous people you'll ever meet are the ones with the most fear. So, um, you know, I think like, think about the person who's maybe not so good at public speaking mm -hmm. because they're terrified about of it, but they get on stage and they do it anyway. Like that's courage, right? Yeah. Um, uh, just, just, it doesn't exist without fear. So if, if you value courage, then you gotta, you gotta be okay with, with being scared. Totally. So good. All right. Two more words. Resilience. Resilience. Acceptance. Acceptance would be the word I would say. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Final word. Excellence. Excellence. <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Be yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, wisdom. I'll say wisdom. Um, I, yeah, uh, I, I think wisdom is extremely important, not nearly as valued as it should be, uh, these days we value knowledge, we value, uh, you know, talent, but wisdom is, I mean, the, the back half of my personal training career, I trained a lot of people over the age of 65 Many, uh, quite a few of them were over the age of 80. That's because I trained a lot of doctors and they would send me their patients. Mm -hmm. And um, I loved it because you talk to 80-year-olds, you sit down and actually take the time to hear what they have to say about certain things and you hear tremendous wisdom. Yeah. I mean, here's a person that's been on earth, you know, three times as long as you have. They're going to they're gonna learn a few things that, yeah. you know, that they can give you insight on. It's so good. Boom. That's it. That I'm so, so grateful for this time with you. And not just that, honestly, this is my opportunity to tell you face to face how much I fucking love what you guys are doing. Mind Pump is literally like people watch Netflix. I don't like I literally it's it's you guys and Joe Rogan. I I, I actually I love the YouTube because it's like my, I'm drinking my Rishi tea at night and I want you guys are so smart. You're so funny. I can't tell you how many times I'm like fucking busting up laughing on, you know, just myself. It's awesome. Um, so I'm such a huge fan and advocate and I'm so grateful for you as an individual, the way that you show up and you contribute, you were a fucking contributor in this world. So taking a moment to honor you and thank you and, and appreciate you for, for all that you're doing and all that you guys are doing as a team. It's awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you, Roxy. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm uh, three years. That's great. Congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it going. That's awesome. I, I mean, you know, it's that passion thing where it's like, I don't, I feel I'm, you know, you're like pulled to it. Like it's, it's hard, yes. you know, it's like the, it's up her uphill thing, but it's like, I, yeah, I can't, I can't stop. So thank you. And thank you again, you know, for being such an incredible supporter from the get. And even now, um, everything will be in the show notes. Everyone will know how to find you. I mean, I'm always promoting you guys, but I, I also want to put emphasis on that. You guys have programs and I am, um, you know, right now with all this crazy shit, gyms are closed down. I know you guys even have programs for like at home workouts. So where do people go? Oh, so if you want to learn more about the programs, you go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. And then if you go to our YouTube channel, there's a lot of free information there. Uh, it's Mind Pump TV. So we have a podcast channel. 
And then we have Mind Pump TV, which is all exercise demos and stuff like that. So if you want just free information, go there and there's quite a bit of stuff on there. Awesome. And best podcast. And and everyone needs to go to your Instagram now and start following because I love your posts and what you share from the memes to the wisdom to the knowledge. It's it's all awesome. So Sal, thank you so, so much. Um, enjoy. Congratulations again on being a new father again. That's so awesome. I'm excited for you both. And um, have a fucking awesome holiday. <laughs> thank you. You too. Thank you, Roxy. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.